gospel lesson for today, the 20th Sunday after Pentecost, comes from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all of my income. But the tax collector standing far off would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Okay, here goes. Okay. I, I actually have a, a story okay. that, that I, I want to tell. And in my head, this connects... But depending on what we end up talking about, it may just be a story that I tell that I think is kind of funny. Okay. And I got to get up and move. Sorry. They know I can't sit still very well. <laughs> Friday, I was walking over to the post office, uh, like I often do when it's nice out. And as I was going down the highway, I was getting close to the intersection where I would go across to, to the post office. And coming down from the elementary school was, I think, a, a class of kindergartners. They were maybe even preschool. They were little. And there were three teachers, and there were probably about 20 kids. And as they came up to the intersection, the teacher that was in the front, she kind of looked and she saw the intersection was clear. So she walked on across, a, a but she stopped like right at the halfway point uh, in the middle of the street. And she kind of kept the kids moving and she was there in case any traffic came down. Good on the teacher. This was a good move. But there was a little guy named Lucas that was the front of the line. Now, I don't know Lucas, but I was hearing his name a lot. <laughs> and, and the teacher was saying, Good job, Lucas. Keep moving. Keep moving, Lucas. You're doing great. Good job, Lucas. And I'm just laughing to myself because it was kind of funny. But so Lucas leads his, his group of classmates on across the intersection and on down the sidewalk. And I keep hearing it. Good job, Lucas. Keep going, Lucas. And then apparently they got far enough they wanted him to stop. So immediately it went from keep going, Lucas, to stop, Lucas. And Lucas, to his credit, he didn't say anything. He just stopped. He did what he was supposed to. But my brain became Lucas for half a second. And my brain went, what do you want me to do? Go or stay? It was almost like whiplash. Now, maybe that story will make some sense. Maybe it's just a funny story that I just told you. So the Pharisee and the tax collector, what do you think, Lauren? Pharisee and the tax collector. So I'm... I was thinking, the first thing that came to my mind, when you read the gospel, but in many congregations, when you read the gospel, you respond with, praise to you, O Christ. And sometimes I say, not so much. I don't get this story. <laughs> what am I supposed to praise you about? Or thanks be to God for this story. And I'm going, ah, it's an odd one. Um, and I go, okay. So, but we are, we are learning when we say praise to you, O Christ, to find the good news and the praise um, and the 
awe and the wonder of God in all things. So we are tasked with finding the good news in this story. Jesus is a good storyteller. He doesn't give us all the answers. He gives us something to chew on and wrestle with. We were talking about it earlier. Okay, it's time for Advent. We're done with these parables that we can't understand. Um, and here we have another one to chew on, to find the good news. And here we are again in the temple. And I always get a little nervous when we end up in the temple and we bring a Pharisee in there, um, one who is part of the religious institution, because I'm going, okay, we're going to have to look in the mirror, Scott, <laughs> and, and see what's being said here. But here we have two men that seem pretty opposite um, showing up in the temple together. The Pharisee, who is part of the religious order, the institution, who has a pretty fair position in life, um, pretty respected in the temple, um, cares for the people, cares for the institution, tends to the matters of faith. And then we have a tax collector who is despised in the community, works for the enemy, works for the Roman Empire, um, doesn't treat his neighbors very well, is probably very well dressed, uh, gets very well paid for what he does. And we're in the Gospel of Luke, and that matters. That matters. Yeah. Uh, so maybe just to touch a little bit more background, this is something that, that I was thinking about, too, and you already sort of mentioned it. So the Pharisee could be considered like the religious elite or... Maybe he even maybe he even gets paid for what he does. Probably, maybe maybe. Yes. And now the thing about the Pharisees, sometimes they get a bad rap, and and that's good for us to recognize that this sect of of Judaism of of Jewish we might even call it a denomination. We could use that way. It's not accurate, but we could use that word to describe it. Their understanding of how to practice their faith, we would probably call very pious. Of, of there's there are these checklists there are these things that you do and that's how your faith in God is practiced is expressed now those aren't bad things they're like having an acolyte they're, <laughs> or reverencing the altar when you come forward yes yes there there are things to do there are good things and so we can maybe remember that he's acting out his faith, his understanding of faith, which seems to fall in the category of this is how I practice it. Yep. And that's not bad. It's just a little different. Mm -hmm. Okay. He's very concerned that things are done right. Yes. Now, here's the opposite side of that. Mm -hmm. Guy's pretty self-centered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Other than yep. when he says God at the beginning of his prayer, he is the focal point the entire time. I am awesome. I am cooler than everyone else. I pray correctly. Actually, he doesn't say that, but, but, but he tithes and he fasts and he does all these things. I, I, I. Me, 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 me. And he throws everybody else under the bus. And I think that's where the hitch comes when we look at him. Yeah. Okay. 
now we got the tax collector. Now we have which, the And you talked about him already and their tendency to be swindlers and cheats and not very well liked. What I appreciate about his prayer is he's honest and he recognizes the truth about himself. Now, many of you have heard me talk about that. When it comes to faith, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to kind of all of this, I think the scriptures are honest about the human condition, and I think God wants us to be honest about ourselves. And that seems to be what this guy is doing. Lord, have mercy on me. He approaches God or he addresses God in much the same. We hear that a lot in Luke. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. So that's a good thing. What we don't know about this guy is what happens when he goes home? No idea. Is he coming back a week later with the exact same prayer? No idea. We don't know, but maybe. 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 So Jesus says he's the one who goes home justified, or sometimes in some translations it's righteous. He's the one who God calls righteous. Um, But we don't know what goes on after the fact. Does he change his ways? Does he not? Stands to reason he's probably going to go continue being a tax collector. He's probably going to continue to extort his countrymen and be a generally not very nice guy. And so what can we take from that? Now, this is where, this is why I told the story of Lucas and the whiplash of what do you want me to do? Because I think we can recognize that even though this one guy is called justified, is called righteous, uh, he's still not perfect. He's still a broken person who is in need of forgiveness. And I can't help but think that that's a a good reminder for us that even when we're trying to side with the one who is righteous, who is humble, well, shoot, then we're passing judgment on the Pharisee, aren't we? That's where everybody gets in trouble in this story. Yeah. Because in Luke, as we talk about and read about the Jewish community and Luke, of which the Pharisee is a big part of. That's what he wants to do. Share the faith. Have people um, practice faith the right way. And it's all about being part of the community. That's what the Pharisee should be about. Being part of the community, being Jewish, doing this, practicing faith, living your faith. And he throws the tax collector under the bus. Is that practicing your faith? Is that building community? Kind of sounds like it's breaking the eighth commandment. It kind of sounds like it. Don't bear false witness. It kind of sounds like it. So, what should you do? What should you do? The tax collector has sold out his people to Rome. The Pharisee has just sold out the tax collector. So, so who, so there is a saying um, of old Jewish rabbis, if you want to know a person's faith, watch their feet. Hmm. What are they doing? How are they living? How are they acting? Who are they throwing under the bus? Yeah. We have a whole lot of that going on here. So who's the actor really in this story? That's, that's the million-dollar question. Yeah. Uh, now, and I've said it many times. They've heard me talk about it. When we have parables, who are we? Who is God? Sometimes we can answer those questions, and sometimes we can't. Right. Now, I don't think God's one of these characters. I don't either. 
I, I really don't. Um, but what I do appreciate is that the tax collector, recognizing the truth about himself, is appealing to the one who is actually able to do something, and that is God. Um, so it's kind of on the nose. Like, they're actually praying to God. Um, and I don't know where to go with that now. So can we ever pray enough? Can we ever practice our faith well enough? Should we poll the audience? We're going to see how good Lutherans you are. <laughs> yeah. Can we ever do it? No, we can't. And the second we think we can, we have fallen to pride and we are right back in the same boat again. So this is kind of a, a dire outlook on the human race, isn't it? Well, it's... Uh, if we're all dependent on ourselves to do it, it is. Oh, I feel like, oh, you're setting me up there. I'm setting you up, Pastor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the honest truth of the gospel tells us we can't do it, and we know that. We know we can't. We can try our best. We can have good intentions. We can try to avoid the bad things and try and do all the good things, but inevitably, that selfish nature is going to win out at some point. It just will. And the perfect example of this are babies. Some of you have heard me talk about this before, and I was thinking about this. I was at a wedding last night, and right in the middle of the really good part, they're giving their vows, and this baby just starts crying, <laughs> which was actually really cute, but it's a perfect example. When a baby is hungry, what do they do? They cry. When a baby is cold, what do they do? When a baby is angry, what do they do? When the baby is lonely, what do they do? You're sensing a theme. <laughs> they cry because it's all about me, 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 and that baby has not yet learned that there are other people in the world. And that, I think, is telling of human nature and the human condition. But... Have mercy on us sinners. The gospel promises that not only does God know this about us, God has already done something about it. And through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, God has overcome somehow, I don't know how it works, but I believe it works. God has overcome that sinful nature that's a part of all of us and freely given that gift of grace and forgiveness and love and then invited every single one of us to, what you say, pray with our feet? Is that how you said it? Yep. To pray with our feet and go out into the world and talk about it. Yep. That's, that's our calling as followers of Christ, as Christians, whatever you want to call it. And you don't have to wear a collar to do that. Uh, in fact, here. <laughs> Mine doesn't come off that easy. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus loves you. Jesus I can't loves believe you. I just did that. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> Jesus loves you, and nothing will overcome that. Nothing you will ever do will make God love you any less, and nothing you ever do will make God love you any more because it's already perfect. We're not, God is. Ooh, I like that. You did? Well, yes. Alex, how are we doing on time? One minute? We did really good. I told him, give us 15 and then wrap us up. So next Sunday is Reformation Sunday. Uh-huh. This is the story of the Protestant Reformation when Martin Luther 
reading and beating himself up and trying to figure out how to make God happy. How is he going to live up to the law? And realizes he can't. He can't do it. He will never do enough. We are made right by God. Yes. It's God's grace. Yep. And It's God's grace. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. I just got really excited. Okay. And that's in the gospel. The one went down to his home called, well, here it says justified, but it's also righteous. Righteous. Not because of anything that he did, but because God said it. Gotcha. And that's what was the basis for Luther's understanding. That's the basis for our, our Lutheran interpretation of the gospel. It's not about what we do. It's about what God says about us. What God says about us. So that's the end of the gospel for today. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. There we go. All right.